0: This is the first time I've done this, by the way. People try to put us down Talking about my generation Just because we get around Talking about my generation Things they do look awful cold Talking about my generation I would far die before I get old About my generation. Don't try to dig what we always say. About my generation. I'm not trying to cause a big sensation. I'm just talking about my generation.
1: Uh, the older we get the older I get the more I realize that that time really does fly now when we're eight years old and we're looking forward to Christmas or a birthday or, or family vacation or something really special time seems to creep by or if you're 20 years old and you're trying to hold out to be you know legal so that you can partake of a birthday beverage on your 21st birthday time you know creeps by then but then it's like uh, our son told me recently he's like okay I just Just hit 22. There's nothing eventful about that. And now that I start to think about it, it looks downhill from there. And uh, I said, well, son, actually, there's so much more to life. And so when I began ministry at North Morganton 22 years ago, uh, we were actually expecting our first child. That's when I got the 20-hour-a-week job in ministry to be like a, a Christian education director. And then like most people that work for a church. I, I worked too long. I worked too many nights. I worked too many weekends. And and some of the parents of the youth decided that there needed to be an intervention. And so one uh, Sunday afternoon, there was a, a meeting, an age-level ministry meeting. And, and at the end, a, a small group of them stayed behind. And I thought, oh, wow, I have really ticked them off. And I've really done something pretty bad. And I'm getting ready to be reprimanded. Now, I was reprimanded, but in one of the best ways possible. They said, you know, Look, time, you only get one shot at a right here and a right now. And your children are young and you need to be their mama and not just a pastor. So will you hear us and hear us say that we will respect boundaries that you put around your time Because if you're not careful, you're going to blink, and they're going to be gone. It was uh, just a few weeks later that uh, irony would have it. I met Terry Moore, the senior pastor at Williamson's Chapel, and he offered me an associate pastor's position there at Williamson's. And so I had that advice and that coaching in the back of my brain when I took a new job. To not marry the church or marry it less than I have before, and be fully present and make memories with that precious gift of time. If we aren't careful, we will blink and and our lives will will be finished. Mike Slaughter this week at Ginsburg said that when he first took over this, it was a dying United Methodist Church. They had about uh, 90 people before he finished with it that first year. I think they were down to like 28 because he ran off that many people because he started casting vision and saying this is where we need to go. And now it's like one of the eighth largest United Methodist Churches in the world. I mean, they have tens of thousands of people every Every weekend in multiple sites, and he started back then by saying, You know what? I am 28 years old, and I'm gonna die soon. We don't have time to waste. And then when he was 40, he'd say the same thing, you know, I'm 40 and I'm going to die soon and we don't have time to waste. And then when he was 55 and then when he was 65 and now that he's 70 and he is retired and he has started his own LLC so that he can coach other churches. He he says, you know, I'm going to die soon. We don't have any time to waste because sharing the message of Jesus Christ is one of the most important things that we can do. Well, the message of Jesus Christ about ageism is very relevant and very real to our society today, and and it really is one of the prejudices that exists that we don't even think about most likely in our day-to-day operations. So I wanted to read to you, and normally I don't read anything, I'm an extemporaneous preacher, uh, but... There were some things that I, there's no way I'm going to memorize these things. So I want to read these to you. And I want you to ask yourself, do you ever think or do any of these, these statements? Do you ever praise older people by comparing them to younger ones? By saying things like, you know, you really look good for your age. You look good to be 60 or 70 Or 70 is the new 40 or anything like that. Or, uh, you know, if you are older, say, you know, I am only as old as I feel. Or inside, I feel 30 years younger. Or, I love this statement, you're young at heart. Or what about this? Have, have you ever heard somebody say this to someone else or you said it? You know, I can't believe you're still dancing at this age or driving at this age. I say that to my father because I don't think he should be driving. But, you know, you, I can't believe you're still doing this at this age. Or, you know, you're really too old to be doing those things. Or maybe you hear someone describing minor forgetfulness as a senior moment. Oh, I'm having a senior moment. Sometimes doctors and waiters and others direct comments about an older person at a younger companion or child of the older person so in hopes that it will be understood. Healthcare and social service providers who patronize older people or who undertreat, overtreat, or over-medicate those. Sadly, that happens sometimes in our society. Then there's this patronizing language um, to younger. People and older people. Because remember, ageism goes both ways. You know, the the vast majority of it up until like right now has been towards the older generation. And we make gross assumptions and stereotypes about those older, older folks and older generations based on whatever prejudices we have towards the older generation in our own minds and hearts and soul. But, you know, there's this thing and I want to show you a picture of a Time magazine cover. It is about the millennial generation. Will you clap if you've ever heard any stereotypes about the millennial generation? (laughs) I'm not going to ask you to clap if you believe in the stereotypes about the millennial generation, uh, but But you know, every generation has positives and negatives. And in every generation, the people embody some of those stereotypes some of the time because we're all human beings. But Time Magazine had this cover, the me, me, me generation. Millennials are lazy, entitled narcissists who still live with their parents. But one of the coolest things about the article was, the tagline was, and here's why they will save us all. Later on, the closing illustration of the message, we're going to look at the younger generation and the older generation and talk about how promise lies both places. But before that, let's finish these stereotypes. Uh, There's that patronizing language like sweetie or dear or honey or isn't she so cute or isn't he so sweet We also think that sometimes older people doing things that are associated with younger people and younger generation, like when an older person uses mild cursing or makes a a sex reference is, you know, adorable or surprising or even shocking. You know, like uh, when kids say to their parents, I didn't know you still did that, oh my gosh, you know. I mean, that is an ageism, that is an ageism prejudice. Then there's name calling on the other end like gramps, old fart, geezer, dirty old man, a little old lady, an old bag, an old fogy, or a biddy. How many people feel like they need to lie about their age for fear of negative perceptions or they say that they're going to stay 39 forever? How many people assume that young people are computer geniuses and are, you know, so relevant with technology and that older people are technologically inept? I live into that stereotype and uh, have lived it out with the staff. But, I mean, that's an ageism. And then there's this discussion of the silver tsunami that blames older people for the economic and social challenges. Now, those are some of the innocent stereotypes that I found when I was doing research for this message. Uh, There are so many that are out there that are so much worse and so much more offensive that I couldn't even begin to show you in worship. Now, to follow Jesus... And to live like Jesus means that we don't embrace stereotypes. Take a look at this verse from 1 Timothy when they were writing to the churches that had been founded by Paul. And apparently ageism stereotypes existed back then too. Don't be harsh or impatient with an older man. Talk to him as you would your own father. Pretend you like your father. Talk to him as you would your own father. And to the younger men as your brothers, reverently honor an older woman as you would your mother and the younger women as sisters. So I have two examples of stereotypes of ageism. I want you guys to come out here now. Uh, We have one of our our, uh, mature worship leaders. And then I have one of our younger worship leaders. And so I wanted them to come and I want you to look at them. Now, if Gary were to come, he's the one who just beautifully sang that song not too long ago. If Gary were to show up here every Sunday and look like this, uh, probably you would find it odd uh, because... Well, I would I don't know if they would or not But, I mean, we actually planned, you know So what would he look like If he were trying to look younger Clearly younger than he was And so his little trendy glasses And his trendy shoes And his skinny jeans You know, most men over a certain age Just don't really wear skinny jeans uh, But, you know, if you do More power to you And then over here We have Sam And, you know, Sam who does have on skinny jeans So he can't get his pants legs up You know, we have the stereotype That older folks wear their knee socks up to their knees And then they've got on some flip-flops that go along with it And he's walking with a walker You know, we have stereotypes Thank you guys very much for being willing to do that We have stereotypes that we associate with people If we see someone walking with a walker We go on in our minds, whether we realize it or not And we draw conclusions Conclusions based on things that we see are not good conclusions to make We should base our conclusions on people after we get to know them as people Because guess what? Stereotypes of ageism and the prejudices that we carry into that They're wrong They're just wrong There are so many millennials, and and frankly, so many of them are a part of our faith community. West could not exist on a Sunday morning if we didn't have millennials leading our children, participating in in worship and and the production of West. It takes about 130 to 150 people to carry off West each week. And so many of those are under the age of, of 25. We are so blessed by that. We also are blessed to have people over the age of of 55. I have no idea what the real age for a senior adult is, so that way I can truly claim that I am ignorant of this. But, you know, people over 55, they have a wealth of knowledge and a wisdom that I don't care how book smart you are, you're never going to be that wise until you live that long. Jesus blew apart all the stereotypes. He never once judges someone or criticizes someone based on their age except for once when the disciples turned away the children because they thought that they were irrelevant in that moment and that the older people needed to be able to get closer to Jesus instead of the younger ones. And Jesus said, do not dare, do not dare turn them away for to such belongs the the kingdom of God and if you flesh out that passage and you dig deeper you see that children bring an innocence to their faith and innocence into viewing God and viewing love that as we age we lose because we start putting all our human constraints and and ideas and junk on top of that innocence but guess what happens as we, as we live? So Richard Rohr, who is this amazing theologian and, and Episcopal priest, he talks about this thing called two halves of life. So like we're living this first half of life and, and we are so egocentric. I mean, think about it. As children, I mean, it is our innate nature. We cry when we need to be fed. I mean, that's not narcissistic. That's egocentric. We are born trying to care for ourselves, But we grow into that, and and some of us more than others, and and we become more ego-driven. And that's sin when we let ourselves get in between us and love or us and God. And so we grow in this ego, in this drive to promote ourself. But then Roar says, and so does Jesus, that if we get to this one place in our life, it's like that pivotal moment. For us, we would say it's our moment of, of salvation, of transformation, where we realize that, that there is something bigger than us out there, bigger than our ego, bigger than all our, our stuff that we bring into it. And, and so we have this moment of justification where we realize, you know, God, you love me just just as I am. And I need less of me and more of you. And so then that's that turning point for the second half of life. And then the beautiful thing that happens in that second half of life is we grow in wisdom and we grow in truth. Now, sometimes that happens when we're 30 years old. I believe for some it could happen if they've had tragedies and other things happen in their lives, and that's what Roar talks about. You know, like when we're 25, for some of us it's 40, 50, 60, who knows? But at some point in our journey, we get to that pivotal moment. And then after that, we, we start peeling away our ego and our pride, and we work really hard on being like Jesus. So by the time we do come where our life not ends but just changes from being a physical presence here on this earth to being a spiritual presence here on this earth, when we have that time, then we move into the fullness of God. And it's a beautiful thing. So the next time that we find ourselves making stereotypical prejudiced decisions against you know somebody that we see that's older or younger, what if we just stop? And what if we realize that in God's eyes, there are no stereotypes. We are all children of an amazing God. And we are all gifted to be the person that God has called us to be. And we are all on this journey. And, and let us get to that point where we realize it is about less of us and, and more of God and more of love. And then may we grow in wisdom and truth. I invited four people. I told them I wanted to use them as a closing illustration. So I want you guys to come up here right now if you do not mind. I invited two that are younger and two that are uh, over the age of 50. How about us say it that way? Um, Because I wanted to show you that these stereotypes are not real. You know, if you were to see, this is Sam Gatlin, here's Dallas Armstrong. If you were to see them, uh, if you were to live into that stereotype of of what, Dallas, come on over, uh, of what younger people, you know, do, they don't contribute anything to society, they don't make a difference, they're all about themselves, blah, blah, blah. Here are two young men, and there are so many more that we're not going to bring up here, but here are two young men, they give their time to make a difference in a church. In a world where their peers don't think it's very cool to be a part of a church, I mean, they're here on Sunday mornings very, very early to make sure that this happens. We are blessed to have them and, and again, so many more. So here are just two people, two amazing individuals that use their gifts and they nullify the stereotypes that we have towards young people. And then here are two people, if they did not exist, West would suffer tremendously. Sweet, saintly Faye Carrasca. (laughs) And I mean that because she puts up with me for one thing. But uh, she embodies pastoral care. If you have ever had Faye pray with you or for you, you know that her prayers mean something and they change things. They may not change outside circumstances, but they change the heart. It is an honor and privilege to be able to walk alongside her. She is our pastoral care person. She ministers to those who are, who are in great need of pastoral care because I can't take care of, of 450 plus different people that call West their church home. It is not an effective model so Faye leads others to care for others. And then we have Ed Landis, and if you were here last summer, we the teenagers I mean, they, they adore him, and he has been in ministry with them for so, so many years, and they made shirts with his face on them and wore them on the mission trip. Now, the thing that happened after that is there were so many, like, college students and post-college graduates that did not get an Ed shirt. Like, they've asked for one. They want another order. Because Ed, Ed, how old are you? 80? 81. 81 uses his gifts to change young people's lives. And both of these gentlemen would say that he has Here are four examples of how ageism shouldn't exist in our society. And guess what? If each of us will walk away today and be willing to look at this topic differently, we can make a difference like we do in everything, one life and one person at a time. Let us pray. Gracious God, I give you thanks for these four individuals and I also give you thanks for all the people that call West their home that are willing to look at topics, difficult topics like ageism, and see what we can do so that we look more like Jesus Christ. Jesus loved all people and never distinguished on things like looks and, and race and age. So God, let us be like Jesus in that way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Yes, I so know. I want you to hear these words from Tammy Siler, one of the faithful, uh, selfless leaders that is at West. She says, I grew up going to church. I grew up teaching Sunday school and I grew up sitting in a pew. I didn't realize until I was in my 30s that I was just going through the motions. I was a rule follower and a people pleaser. So I really believe that God rewarded me based on my actions. West changed all that. Church became so much more, and I absolutely love that we worship in a high school. For me, I had to strip away everything that I'd grown up thinking was important, sitting in a pew, wearing nice clothes, again and again going through the motions. In my 30s, Wes taught me the meaning of grace. Honestly, the 30 years of prior going to church, I didn't understand that concept. Wes taught me that God loves me no matter what, and he loves everyone no matter what, and it has helped me to look at people differently. I love that we keep it simple to love God and love others, and it is freeing. I am grateful because we as a family at West have grown. My children have the same simple concept of loving God and loving others down. They understand and live their faith far deeper than I ever imagined at their age. I will ask for your grace with my little emotional moment, but I love this church so, so much. It is a beautiful movement that looks like God. So may we go and may we look at everybody differently. May we not pass judgment and may we not make assumptions based on what we think they are and think they can do or not do. May we go and may we look like Jesus. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.